I was really just Googling police conferences, and I stumbled upon this one in New Jersey put on by this company called Street Cop. Robert Klemko reports on criminal justice for The Post. So for more than a year now, he has covered calls for police reform across the country. But recently he was wondering... What are some of the conversations happening on the other side of that blue line? The conversations happening between cops when they don't think that anyone else is listening? Are cops talking about reforms or being trained to do their jobs differently? So Robert started looking for a police training conference, and he found one. Yeah, I saw that Tommy Lahren was one of the keynote speakers. And for people that don't know, she's the Fox News personality who often has some of the more outrageous far-right takes. They've been defunded. They've been demoralized. They've been demonized. We've got ambush-style killings of our police officers. And so I I thought this would be an interesting one to try to go to. Uh, I couldn't get access, but I was able to make contact with somebody who did and uh, shared the recording with me. So what were you trying to understand? You know, I I wanted to know how cops talk about the police reform effort um, and the current political climate when they think they're only talking to cops. So Robert gets this recording from the source who we're not going to name, and he watches it. And it was even more illuminating than he expected. Today, he's sharing some of that audio with us. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Wednesday, February 23rd. Today, we go inside a police training conference where conversations sound pretty different from the national debate over police reform. And just a heads up, there is some strong language and some swear words that we're going to be beeping. This particular conference was in New Jersey. About a 1,000 cops attended. And in addition to Tommy Lahren, there were a lot of other speakers, including former military guys like Tim Kennedy and Marcus Luttrell. There was a lot of focus on how police should have a quote-unquote warrior mentality. Like in this clip from Luttrell, who says that cops are like lions. It's like a lion is the king of the jungle. These little lion cubs came in there, nipping at his ears, nipping at his tail. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting there. Well, the other animals, they they notice that. So they start moving in. Closer and closer, bolder and bolder. The jackals, the hyenas, laughing at them. So one day, a lion gets up and tears the shit out of everybody. Eats everything in his path. Because sometimes... Every now and again, you got to remind those jackals just what you are. This really militaristic approach to talking to cops was really well received by the cops. You know, it wasn't that long ago that we were drinking out of the schools of our enemies. Like, you know, like, I'm going to murder this guy, then I'm going to take his head, then I'm going to cut his head in half, and then I'm going to boil his skull, and then I'm going to drink out of that skull. Rad, right? Yeah, he's not in his head. You and I, we're going to be friends, you know? But, like, that wasn't that long ago. Yo, that is crazy. But what was it like for you watching this recording, and, and how did this conference play out? You know, it played out like half policing seminar, half pep rally. 
I know the world seems like it's anti-police right now, but it's not. This is Dennis Benino, the conference organizer. It's the media portraying it that way. They get one out of about 750,000 of us doing something stupid. We all pay the price. I'll never understand it. But it doesn't mean it's true. And stop telling yourself some story. There were the emotional pep rally type speakers, you know, ex-soldiers, um, police officers who'd been injured in the line of duty, and political commentators like Laren. For those that believe that's oppression, they don't understand what oppression is. Whose message was essentially that you're doing the right thing, this moment of public criticism will soon pass, and people will be asking you to be aggressive cops again, if not more aggressive. But all these major headline incidents that we've had in this country involving law enforcement in the last at least five years could have all been prevented if people would just comply with police, would follow orders, and not resist arrest. But the problem is they've been taught that that is somehow their civic duty. And... That worldview isn't necessarily wrong. I mean, we've seen over the course of police reform in U.S. history that there's this ebb and flow where you have an incident that sparks outrage and outcry a la Rodney King or George Floyd. And then you have uh, rising crime numbers or the perception of rising crime numbers and a demand from a majority of Americans to beef up policing and for police to have more of an aggressive physical presence on the streets. Mm. It's happened over and over again, so there's really no reason to think that that won't be the case. I find that such a fascinating but also a really sobering idea that if history has taught us anything, that this moment of calls for police reform will eventually pass, as he said. So... You have been looking into this man, Dennis Benino, who started the street cop training company, right? Yeah. You know, my law enforcement brothers and sisters and the Dennis, these videos have helped me even in my state. He's really popular on YouTube. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. Fear will always be in your life and how you embrace fear or deal with fear will dictate who you are. He offers this brand of training that encourages officers to differentiate themselves from other cops uh, by being street cops, um, cops who actually go out in the field and make drug arrests uh, by any means necessary within the law. All right, I feel compelled to give you guys one more piece of advice before I left. He talks a lot about pretextual stops, which is a pretty controversial method of policing where you're pulling people over for minor violations and uh, because you have a hunch that they are trafficking in some sort of illicit material. Hmm. We get out and we start following that car to see what they're going to do, what kind of traffic law they're going to violate, which will justify the reason for our stop. Other than that, you're allowed to do that. It's called a pretextual stops. And who is this Dennis Benino guy? Like, what makes him qualified to do all this training? He himself was an officer for about two decades in New Jersey uh, and with the U.S. Park Police. And he was involved in a case in 2015 in which... They pulled over women leaving a parking lot of a mall in New Jersey, and he jumped on the hood of the woman's car Hmm. and pointed a gun at the driver and allegedly shouted, I'm going to kill you. Oh, God. 
And uh, the women were suspected of shoplifting, according to their lawyer, but no recovered goods were stolen. So they got charged with resisting arrest and assault uh, of an officer because Benino was forced to jump to the hood of the car to get them to stop. Um, shortly after that, he left the Woodbridge Township Department and uh, started this company. Uh, the women's lawsuit was uh, settled with the city. Can you explain what that anecdote says about who this guy is and why he's a police trainer? I think it speaks to the level of expertise um, that is required to be a police trainer, which is very minimal. Mm. Um, There are a lot of police trainers who have never been police. Lieutenant Dave Grossman, uh, who was uh, in the Army before he started writing about um, how police officers need to have a warrior mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of ex-military people across the country training police officers. Um, they're able to do this uh, without any sort of vetting in most cases because the state bodies that are supposed to govern police training uh, don't really have the resources to uh, vet teachers vet curriculums, go over coursework and deem it appropriate. So they leave that up to the chiefs of police and sheriffs um, who often rubber stamp training that their officers sign up for. Hmm. There's just no way of knowing um, in any real sense who all the police trainers are in America and what their backgrounds are. Hmm. You know, for instance, last year, uh, somebody hacked the Oath Keepers membership list. Oath Keepers is a far-right anti-government group um, that was instrumental in the storming of the Capitol on January 6th Mm -hmm. um, and found that 65 of those members had worked as police trainers across the country. After the break, we'll talk about efforts to standardize police training and how they ended up so unregulated in the first place. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial monarchmoney.com slash podcast. So is there anyone nationally working toward trying to standardize some of this police training? So there's this organization called IADLIST uh, out of Idaho, which is a group that aims to be a trade organization for the entire industry of police officer standards and training. Um, And their goal with the national certification program they started in 2015 was to is to create sort of an Angie's list for police training vendors mm-hmm. and, and put a stamp on them so that states can know, police chiefs and sheriffs can know without doing the research themselves that 
this group is on the up and up and, and doing legitimate police training. Hmm. The problem is that vendors like Street Cop don't really have a lot of incentive to get nationally certified by IATLS because police chiefs and sheriffs don't really have a problem sending their officers there. And there's not a state group in New Jersey, for instance, that approves or rejects training. So mm-hmm. they don't really need a national certification in places like New Jersey and in most of the country. It's just so striking, though, considering the amount of power that police officers have, that you would think that the 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 forms in which police officers learn how to use that power, that there would be some sense of, like, standardization in that or someone looking at that. Yeah, I think, you know, part of that is because there's so many different landscapes uh, that are policed in this country. I mean, I'm from Maryland. The way that police behave in West Baltimore is going to be different than the way they behave in in Hollywood, Maryland, down in St. Mary's County. Mm. So uh, I think because of that, um, police training has become really specialized. uh, And because of the nature of it, it, it's become extremely secretive. Um, There really wasn't a time when police training wasn't secretive. Uh, And every time that lessons are revealed to the public or audio or video, and in this case, um, an entire seminar, there is often backlash. Um, And that's just the way police training is. Uh, I think they feel like these are the things that we have to talk about to prepare officers for reality on the street. And it's not for the public's ears because they'll misinterpret it. I wonder if you think that argument holds some Wait, that different police departments operate differently in different places with different types of problems that they have to deal with and that it should be up to each police department and the leaders there to decide what is and is not the right type of training for their officers. Yeah, and I think it does hold some weight. um, But I think ideally there has to be some sort of check on police chiefs and and sheriffs where the public uh, or at least elected officials can weigh in on what officers are hearing. Um, Hmm. I I don't know if a national certification program will ever take off because of how big and how diverse this country is and the experiences that officers face are. Um, But what advocates for police reform are looking for is just the bare minimum of uh, oversight here, which doesn't exist. Robert Klemko is a reporter covering criminal justice and police reform for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's episode was produced and mixed by Bishop Sand. It was edited by Maggie Penman. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.